Welcome to another edition of the Fort Lee Podcast. I'm your host, Jefferson Wolf. Before we get started, as usual, I would like to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss an episode. Also, please rate us five stars, hopefully, and leave a review. Tell us what you enjoy about the podcast and what we can do to make it better. If you have any suggestions for guests, let us know that too. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Army Fort Lee and follow us there for more. This episode, we have two guests for you, Wayne Hall, president of Holiday Helper and former Fort Lee Garrison Command Sergeant Major, who talks to us about Holiday Helper and how it's going to take place this year, a little different from last year during COVID, still a great program, and he's going to talk a little bit about its history as well. In addition, we also have Alicia Manson from Kenner Army Health Clinic, who's going to talk to us about the Great American Smokeout and Smoking Cessation, helping you to quit smoking if you're smoking. Thanks, as always, to Brian Stevens for doing an outstanding job of producing all our podcasts, and we hope you enjoy this week's interviews. Welcome back to the Fort Lee Podcast. We're here at the Holiday Helper Toy Store today uh, with Mr. Wayne Hall, the president of Holiday Helper. He's also a retired Garrison Command Sergeant Major. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. You're welcome, sir. Um, so let's get right into it. We've got a bunch of questions about Holiday Helper, which is coming up. What is Holiday Helper? Tell us about the program. Well, Holiday Helper is actually a volunteer program of volunteers that are put together to provide gifts to service members' children during the holidays. And the program is based off a need, which is identified by different organizations, whether it's a chain of command, which would be the commander first sergeant, they know their service members, mm-hmm. whether it's through the chaplain, and obviously service members and families go there for counseling, ACS, which deals with counseling, financial, and all that, or through the JAG Corps sometimes because maybe the service member did not do the right thing, but this, the family qualifies for the program. Okay. Um, so how will it work this year? Tell me a little bit about what the process is like. We're here in the what you call the toy store, which is over kind of behind the, the P-Extra here on Fort Lee. What, what happens when people come here? So what happens – in, on November 1st, Joy Metzner, our program manager, sent out all the nomination forms, the POC for each unit, whether it's a battalion, the company, the separates. And, and we say service members because it covers all four services. And if there's a Coast Guardsman, they qualify also. Okay. The units will then identify the service members. They'll provide us a listing by name and rank okay. and the number and ages of their children. And we'll actually consolidate that list after November 24th. Okay. And we will run spreadsheets, we'll actually coordinate times with the units and when they will show up for their actual shopping days. And we'll make sure from a logistics standpoint that we have enough items to provide each family the same number of items throughout the two shopping days. So tell me about the process. When they get here, they come through the door, and what happens? So like I said, they're identified early on by the 24th. Right. And then Ms. Metzner and and actually Susan Garland will put together a roster, send it to you on the times that they're – allocated to come in. They'll come through the door. Ms. Metzler will, as they get time, they'll process them, get their name, and then they'll sit spaced out because of COVID distance and all that. And an elf will take them through. The right. actual toy store is broke out by ages. It goes zero to two, three to six, and six to 12. Mm-hmm. And those are the areas where the elves will take the member to go shopping for their items. This year, each service member will get up to four items. Okay. And as they come back around the corner behind us, there is books, there is stocking stuffers, there is hat and mitten trees, so the service members can gather and collect. Yeah, so the service member 
can get those items too. And this year is a little different. You know, last year we had COVID, right. so we didn't have anybody in here. We didn't, all we had was the board and selected individuals to be elves. There was no wrapping or anything. This year, we're actually putting a 30 by 40 tent out in the parking lot in front of the toy store where volunteers will be able to come and wrap the gifts for the service members that would like their gifts wrapped, which is how it's always been done before, but inside. But as stated, due to social distancing and COVID, right. we've had to modify right. and adjust. So that leads to the question, uh, if somebody's interested in coming out and volunteering, what do they need to do? Who do they need to contact? Normally what happens is they'll go to the Holiday Helper website. Okay. If you type in Holiday Helper Fort Lee, it'll take you right to the website. Okay. There's actually a tab where you can hit, I, I want to volunteer. And that will link them up to the Holiday Helper email. They'll send a note. It'll go to the members of, on the board. And nine times out of ten, Miss Susan Loden and Susan Garland will be the ones that will coordinate those times. Okay. Okay, so that's good. Um, so where do all the toys and the, the gifts that you have here, where do they come from? So the way that works is uh, we get donations monetarily, whether it's money or whether it's toys. And anything that's monetarily will go out based on the numbers, uh, historical data, and what we have by the 24th. Okay. And we'll purchase all the items. Uh, throughout the year, we look for where we can get the largest stretch for the dollar, or most people say the bang for the buck. Right. Uh, you know, we'll go to Ollie's. Um, we'll go anywhere where there's a sale to where we can actually, you know, get more items for that. We also partner with uh, Toys for Tots and other organizations that provide additional items. And so you have toys, and you talked a little bit about some other things, but you have more than toys that uh, is available for people that come through. Yes, sir. Normally what happens is uh, every the program is set up right now for E135 as a norm. Okay. Those are normally the, the rank structures that could use the assistance during the holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's anywhere from one children to nine. That's okay. the largest family wow. had. And what happens is... Uh, the Holiday Helper use some of the donated money, and we'll go to the commissary and purchase uh, food cards or gift cards. Okay. And that'll be given to each service member. A service member that has a very extensive or a large family, they may get two. And, and when they actually come in in process with Ms. Metzner, it's already in the envelope. So it's not like they come back around. Oh, there, there's okay. other items, too. You know, you asked about other items. So right. we're partnered with Feedmore, and Feedmore, in conjunction with the BOSS program, Better Opportunity for Single Soldiers, We'll have boxes of food that sit on a truck and they're, uh, they're canned items and all okay. that. So the service member can take it. Each one will receive a box. Boss program actually picks it up and works with Feedmore to bring it here to distribute on each of the shopping days. Also, the boss program provides Christmas trees uh, for service members that have not gotten a tree. And, and actually, they normally give out all the trees within the two days. Oh, that's cool. Now, how do individuals qualify for the program? They are command nominated, yeah. right? Yes. So n- how that works is uh, we actually have nothing to do with the nomination. The board is neutral. Okay. So the service members are nominated either by their chain of command, which is a commander, or SAR, in this case, a battalion commander and sergeant major review the nominations from each one of the units. They can also be nominated by the chaplains because they provide service, as stated earlier. They can also be uh, nominate it through ACS because it's not just active duty service, service members. You know, we deal with retirees. We do with w- wounded warriors. Uh, we actually have the Fisher House, which is at McGuire Hospital for Veterans, okay. where they have children in the Fisher House. And Mr. Walker is the director. He'll coordinate with us, come down and get the toys for those children. Okay. So I, I don't want anyone to think it's just people on Fort Lee. It's more centralized Fort Lee, but we have outside uh, branches that we support uh, based on our ability. 
So how many organizations sponsor or support Holiday Helper this year? Yeah, so throughout the years, it's normally an average of about 50 different organizations, but there's also individuals. So as I stated before, you know, it, we have like a car place, a car mm-hmm. parts place that they'll have a box in there where whoever comes in to buy items from their store can drop them in the box. We've had nail salons. We've had beauty salons. Oh my. Uh, actually, over at ALU, the students have a box. And this year, the ordnance school, I forgot what unit, but they're doing a, a toy run. So that, oh, wow. th- that means the soldiers are actually going to run around Fort Lee and they're going to stop here at the toy store and drop off the toys while they're doing PT. And normally we'll have hot chocolate and some other items, you know, to give them the show appreciation for them giving to the program that gives back to their service members. That gives us an idea of the scope of the program. Obviously, it extends through Fort Lee and beyond. Uh, how did the program start? So the program actually started through ACS. Back in around 1998, the director was Karen McComas. And she had an idea of how could I help service members during the holidays. And she had a little back room with a table where I think the first year she helped less than a dozen. And the following year, it was more. She was able to have uh, donations that were provided. Uh, when you're dealing with Army funds and an Army program, you have to be very careful because there's a lot of technical and legal uh, jurisdiction of what you can and can't accept. Uh, as, as we're a nonprofit, we're not bound by who we can talk to and who we can get donations from. But Mrs. McComas started it. And then when I came here in 2005, it was already up and running. It was, it was pretty large back then because on Fort Lee, there was a unit called the 49th Group. Mm-hmm. And they had about 3,500 soldiers, and the majority of them were E4 and below. Uh, obviously, that unit through BRAC and all that went away. Right. And then as the Holiday Helper morphed to something different, we changed and adapted to what was here on the installation. Uh, one of the challenges that Holiday Helper program had under ACS is they didn't have a building that was theirs dedicated. So Miss McComas every year, and even when I was a garrison and Mr. Branch, who's a retired Star major, he was the 23rd brigade. We would have to move all those items and put them in storage. And then we'd have to take them out and find a location and set it all back up. And there was a lot of people that helped. Uh, Mr. Johnson was with uh, MWR, Mr. Farmer, mm-hmm. all of them were people that helped find locations, helped set up the scenes and the screens like the little house you see here. Uh, you know, different, every year you change it. In 2010, this building that we're sitting in that we call the toy store, this was actually an AFIS warehouse. And in, if you go online to our, our website, you'll actually see what it looked like. Oh it looked nothing like this. And through the partnership with the Holiday Helper and ACS to Garrison and, and a lot of work with DPW, it was turned into this building. Uh, and this is, has become the permanent facility at the moment where the Holiday Helper resides and where the program is run throughout the year and you know there's three special days during the year mm-hmm. who's in charge of the program obviously you're the president but you have other people yeah. aboard so, and so, on so there's and so 11 forth. board members um when we start at this you know you always start an organization so we have a mission statement we have bylaws and uh, all 11 of us are somehow connected to the military as stated mr branch and i are both retired command sergeant majors right. uh, miss loden is a uh, garrison employee. Miss uh, Garland is a garrison employee. Joy Metzer used to be PAO and she retired and she's our program manager. Uh, we have Michelle Rollins, who is actually a spouse of a service member okay. that's in the reserves. Uh, we have another lady that does our treasury. She's actually what they call RIM. She's a finance budget person. So that works out good. Becky Joyner is with us. She used to be what we called the voice of the quartermaster. She would do all <laughs> the ceremonies and all that. And Becky retired from ALU. My wife, who works at Dentac, she's one of the purchase agents. Uh, 
Um, so that's a pretty good number of people. Yeah, and, but it's more than just the board. As I stated, we get volunteers uh, requests all the time. And, and, and to emphasize it, um, we have a lot of volunteers that come out of ALU, and that's the Army Logistics University. And, you know, being retired from the military after 27 years, it's always great to see the younger generation come in and understand what, what the garrison and what partnerships can do for their service members. You know, as they leave here, especially the lieutenants, they have no idea when they get to an installation how to help their soldiers. In the old days, you went to all these briefings. Sometimes they're there and they're not there. So they get to see how a program can run from the ground, build up throughout the year, and then how it's executed. And when you think from logisticians, because this installation is about logisticians, you know, it's all about supply, demand. How do you acquire it? How do you stock it? How do you replenish it? And, you know, how do you continue to keep that supply line going? Uh, and we've done this as a nonprofit since 2010. That's when we stood up as a nonprofit as a 501c3, registered throughout the state, registered with CFC, registered with the state of Virginia. Uh, our program gets a lot of recognition because since the last uh, – one, two, three, three governors, they've all come here. Oh, that's you know, cool. It, right. it's a, it gets rec- the more recognition a program gets, the more it enables us to provide more items for more service members and, and to modify the program as required. Tell me about some of the amazing moments you've experienced. Obviously, how have, you've had a lot of people come through here, mm-hmm. a lot of kids. How have people responded to receiving gifts like this? Yeah, it, it's a lot of mixed uh, motions when people come in. Sometimes the service members aren't aware why they're coming here. So they're just told to report. Oh my. Okay. Um, so um, that would be a shock. Yes. It, it's a shock. So every year you'll get one or two or three that will come in. And, and, and if the way to picture this is if you ever went to the store that toys are us. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you walk in here, the holiday helper building looks like toys are us. Okay. It has everything, as I stated from zero to 12 uh, and, and they just get amazed. And when you tell them that they don't have to pay for anything and the gift is going to be wrapped by a volunteer and they can get a Christmas tree and you're going to get this and you get a food uh, gift card to go to the commissary, some of them just become overwhelmed mm-hmm. and, and they break down and cry. Uh, that's always great to see the appreciation. The other thing is one year we had a family that was nominated. Uh, they came in and they received the items. The following year they were actually volunteers working to assist the program. Oh, that's great. And uh, so, you know, you get each year you have someone you help. And what happens is sometimes when they're in a better position, they're actually giving back to a program or they go to another installation and they talk about, hey, this is what Fort Lee did. I spent uh, 10 years at Fort Drum and they ran a program similar, but not like this. Okay. They could only help a certain number. Right. So, you know, every installation has a program similar. Right but it may not be to this volume. Right. Uh, and, you know, you can look those up online. I know Carson has one. I know that uh, uh, Fort Hood has one. I know at Drum when I was there, it was a Sergeant Majors who ran it. But there's always some kind of organization. Uh, Fort Houston had Angel Tree. Yeah. So there's different ones. But this one here, they come in, the service member and the spouse, and they shop. They can select any of the items they want based on the four items, the size, small, right. medium, or large. So it's not like, here's your toy. You know, they actually get to pick what they want for the children based on, there's probably a thousand items in each room. So they can pick and choose. So after being here this long, how does it feel to have made so much of a difference in so many people's lives? I'm not the one that makes the difference. It's really the community. Ah, Uh, You know, we help facilitate the program. Uh, You know, the two strongest 
throughout the year is normally Mr. Branch because he's retired, so he has more flexibility. Okay. And Miss uh, Garland does a lot of the coordination behind the scenes, uh, more than she wants to take credit for. But it's actually the whole board as a team. It's just different times, and we all lift differently. Uh, you know, Miss Becky attends a lot of events. She works with the Southern Knights for their car show that's at the uh, Richard Bland. Uh, but if we didn't have the community providing the monetary and the donations, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have this. You know, a few years back, there was a group called the 99ers. Those, that goes all the way back to female pilots to World War II. Oh, wow. Okay. And they actually used to fly into Chesterfield Airport, and we would partner with, a, with one of the units, and we would go out there with a vehicle, and we would pick up a truckload, an LMT fee oh, full of toys wow. that were flown in specifically for the program, and the other items would go to the Fisher House. That's so, really great. you know, as I stated before, every year the, do- the people that donate change. Right. And we also, uh, we have a grant writer on the board. So we are in the process where we continually write to get grants to help provide funding to continue the program forward. So do you invite the community out to see the toy store? Is there an open house? Yes. So in 2010, when we stood up as a nonprofit, we started doing the open house on a Friday. Okay. Uh, a lot of businesses, and, and this is my philosophy and, and my general way of thinking, if you're making a donation, whether it's monetary or toy, I think it's important for you to see where it goes. You know, so what we did is we moved the open house to a Friday. We made it so it was in the afternoons when we first started so that people that made donations or the community could come out and see what their donation went to. We have donations where someone donated one item and we have donations where they donated a thousand items. So when is the open house this year? The open house is on December 10th from noon, 12 o'clock, until 6 p.m. that night. And the actual days of the events are? The actual days of the shopping are actually on the 14th and 15th of December for the service members that have been nominated through the proper channels. Right, that's invitation only. Um, so tell me again, once again, uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with Holiday Helper and your board and wants to volunteer, what can they do they, to, to do that? They can go on the website. They can go on the Internet and look up Holiday Helper. Right. And it'll find and type in Fort Lee. Mm-hmm. It'll bring up the website. It brings up the web page. It gives a vast amount of information. And there's a tab on the left-hand side that says, I want to volunteer. Okay. And all they have to do is click on it, fill out the information. That information will come to a board member, and someone will contact them. And so just to wrap it up, do you have any final thoughts about the Holiday Helper and the contributions that this organization has had? No. The, um, you know, the thing is to continue to make the program better and make sure that it continues to run. Uh, when it did the transition uh, from – Coming off of ACS to a nonprofit, uh, the concern was why it moved was to make sure that it would have legs and continue to mm-hmm. be able to run the same way. Uh, one of the questions uh, that I think is important, too, is how many people and how many children do you sponsor throughout the year? So we normally average about 1,200 children that come through here or the service members shop for up to 1,200 children. So the program on average sponsors 1,200 children. If you break that down and look at three or four toys, you put an average price, you can come up with different figures. Um, it's about 400 to 500 service members that represent those 1,200 kids. And as stated before, you know, whether they have one child or they have nine, because um, you had asked, what's the impact? Uh, one year we had a staff sergeant whose sister and brother-in-law died. Oh, my. And they took their children in. And they had a family of eight. Oh, wow. And, and it was during just before the holiday season. So that was a little overwhelming. And this program provided her the opportunity to make Christmas good for the children that had just moved in with her and her husband. That's really and great. It, and there's a lot of different community stories. It's just, you know, 
11 years, there's, there's always a lot of stories. Right. That's a lot of people you've helped. Well, thank you for joining us. That was Wayne Hall, the president of Holiday Helper, a retired garrison command sergeant major here at Fort Lee. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome, sir. Back in the Fort Lee podcast, I am joined now by Alicia Manson, the preventive medicine nurse at Army Public Health. Not preventative, but preventive right? Yes. Community okay. health. Uh-huh. Very good. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Um, we're here to talk a little bit about the Great American Smokeout. This podcast may not make it out before your actual event, mm-hmm. but we can still talk about it. Um, so let's start off by talking a little bit about how prevalent is smoking in the military. Mm-hmm. In the U.S. overall, the rates were 42.6% of people smoked in 1965, all the way down to 13.7% in 2018. What, what do we see in the military? In the military, um, actually, right now, to be honest with you, I'm trying to gather data just on Fort Lee installation okay. as, as of itself. Right. Um, but... Uh, it, it, we are seeing higher numbers than before. And okay. I'm, and I'm thinking that may be attributed to like the, the pandemic and the, and the closures and mm-hmm. things like that tends to make people do other things. And right. so if you smoke before and you stopped and this was your thing to help you out, I'm tending to see that more. Uh, so back to that question, really trying to gather that information mm-hmm. right now. I'm glad you asked that question because that is um, one of the uh, things that we are looking for for our, one of our Ready and Resilience um, C Council that we have here on the mm-hmm. installation. That's one of our um, primary goals for our work group. So those things will be coming out even in more in depth more. But if you look around on the installation, my goodness, you see it a lot. Really. Yeah, you so, see it a lot. So people on Fort Lee should start seeing some surveys and things asking about the about the smoking rates and are you smoking and so on and correct, so forth. Correct, correct, and more education about it. Right. For instance, we recently had probably about three months ago a community strengths and themes assessment. Mm-hmm. That was to see what the population thought was a good goal to go for as far as health. Right. And the persons that completed that were, of course, active duty military and um, civilians and retirees. Okay. Guess what? One of the biggest things was in there that they thought that was problems. It was tobacco use. Really? Okay. And that came from the people, not from anyone else. So that goes to show that the people want to make a change and they see something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, now, uh, new soldiers, such as the ones attending AIT at Fort Lee, mm-hmm. I think you kind of went there a little bit, but are they smoking as much as the previous generations? Is it still down among among, among those uh, populations? Actually, that thing is vaping. Really? Okay. It's vaping. It's the younger people, the vaping, it tastes good. It's right. easy to access. But those things are hard to keep, mm-hmm. I would think, in that type of environment. But... Those things are what the, what gets the younger population. And also, as I understand, they do have places where our, our trainees can actually smoke okay. and use tobacco, like mm-hmm. certain because this is where they live and right. they have their own spots, per se, where they can go and, you know, and, and do those things. So some of these things is one of the things that we're trying to look at this year as kind of important, right. you know, to try to decrease the use of that. Right. And vaping is just about as bad for you as smoking, right? Sure is. It's full of nicotine. Right. It's just flavored nicotine, Mm -hmm. straight nicotine. Could could you talk a little, I've heard the term popcorn lung 
thrown around from mm-hmm. inhaling all that uh, vapor because it's not smoke you're inhaling when you vape. It's yeah. vapor, right? Right, right, right. And getting into those little pockets and different alveoli and staying there and turning mm-hmm. dark and it's just not good for you. It's right. not good for you. And nicotine is highly addictive, mm-hmm. highly addictive. You know, um, we all have our things. We like cake. We like things. Yeah. We don't. <laughs> yeah. but, but one thing about nicotine, it really can do things to damage your body from doing it youthful, going into it, getting older. Um, giving an example, when we do clinic, um, uh, say a fella has smoked um, tobacco before he came, his mm-hmm. blood pressure is sky high Oh wow! when okay. he gets in there because it makes your vessels just compress. And can you imagine years of doing that, what it's doing to your heart, mm-hmm. your kidney, your vessels? So you, all these things are not working right, and then you start getting those chronic diseases. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how is the Army as a whole addressing mm-hmm. tobacco cessation? What are the Army, how does the Army look at it? Yes, one of the main things as far as um, in wellness and with Army um, health promotion, and um, actually off of my head, I cannot give it to you, but I'm thinking it was, um, I may have it right here, yep. It's one in the Army regulations, AR 600-63. They don't play with (laughs) tobacco cessation. I I knew I had to bring it for a reason to show you. But this actually to prevent that because you want our our military force to be ready. Mm -hmm. You're not ready if you're talking about what I said in the ladder with your vessels compressed and you can't breathe and it's time to go deploy, 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 and you're sick. So that's where the Army stance is why... The army, the military does not want this to happen. So this is why I do what I do. And other installations have people there just like me doing the same thing. So tell me about the local efforts. Uh, We Mm -hmm. just had the Great American Smoke Out. If someone missed the actual event, can they still contact you to learn about the program? Absolutely. My phone is on speed dial for anyone who wants it. What's the number? 804-734-9304. If you forget that, just remember, call Kenner and call Preventive Medicine and say, I need the smoking people, and they'll get you to me. (laughs) Um, I'm now actually uh, putting better flyers and things out within the installation Mm -hmm. so they can see we're talking about it in all the um, health councils Mm -hmm. on post because um, that's a great way. You should see me at ordinance every month saying, okay, it's me, and talk to me. And actually, we're now getting in more um, persons coming in who are like, hey, I really want to stop. But I'm so embarrassed I did it before. I'm like, oh, man, please. I mean, it's hard to quit. Yeah. You can do it, but then something could trigger you and you go right back to it. But this is what we're here for. Right. So it's it's better to catch it. Is it still, as you're going into it, we can bring you right back. Mm-hmm. It happens. But this is what we're here for. Now, tell me a little bit about the, the local efforts. What, what did you guys do this year to promote? <laughs> Uh, smoking cessation. Okay. So far this year, now we're coming out of COVID where we were, we can't do anything. Well, now we're starting that we can, which is good. So the classes are starting back up, but right now um, we're not doing them um, together in person, Mm -hmm. but we are able to still do them at a virtual level. So um, if I get your name and a good email, and if you could download MS Teams, we are good to go. We can do the class that way. If you can't do them, 
implement the designated times. Honestly, there is a designated time for to do the classes on Wednesdays at 11. Oh, well, we're going to find you another time. Mm-hmm. That's just what I have to do. Um, right now, we've been having issues with having the classes because we've been having some issues with Chantix. I had to put this in here. Chantix has been having um, a recall. Okay. So um, that kind of prohibited some of those medical therapies we might talk about, but um, right. it prohibited some of those things. So you have a hard time trying to get people to quit. So a lot of people, once they find out that you don't have it, ooh, what else can we do? Well, we try other methods mm-hmm. and things. But that was one big thing that kind of thwarted the classes a little bit along with COVID. So we're doing the classes. We're doing the medical um, Mm -hmm. treatments, like I just mentioned, lozenges, gum, um, Zyban. We still have all of these things still available. I'm also going out to just got an invite today. Yay. I'm going to Mosier Clinic in December okay. um, to do um, treat, um, not treatment. Oh, goodness. I wish I could. But, <laughs> but to do um, um, a talk and um, education to the um, people there. What's, where's Mosier Clinic? Mosier um, Dental Clinic. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Which is good, too, because smoking is not good for your teeth. Right. Turns it nice and funny colors. Anyway, um, we don't want that. <laughs> and, um, so so um, let me let me back up just for yes, a second. Uh, let's talk about the Great American Smokeout events you had mm-hmm. on Wednesday and Thursday, November 17 and 18. What, did, what, what was going on those days? All right. That was popcorn for a puff. Okay. And what we were doing there is just we're trying to make sure that everyone is aware of the Great American Smokeout mm-hmm. and the efforts to stop tobacco use. And um, actually, I believe that this was the 46th year of the Great American Smokeout through the American Cancer Society. And what we're doing is just to alert the public that um, you can quit. We have assistance for you to quit. Um, We're trying to help you do everything that you can, that we can to help you stop. And so, the popcorn for a puff was just another thing. There's a couple things with that. You get a nice, fresh pop cup of popcorn, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is good. And then it also helps you remember these things, all of the education things that you have available to you. But also, I know popcorn can be salty, but it gives you something else to do. Uh, chew, 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 yeah, chew, right. chew, instead of puff, 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 puff. Right. So um, I did. I thought that that was a good idea. The team said, yeah, let's go with it. So <laughs> we did popcorn for a puff. And just for that, to give that information out we got regarding the Great American Smokeout and just tobacco cessation in general. Now tell me a little bit about, mm-hmm. at Kenner, what methods do you use to decrease the use of tobacco products? We've kind of talked about the addiction and we've talked about all this stuff, but if somebody calls you, what tools do you have available? Mm -hmm. Well, we also, like I said, we have the, um, the classes, right. Um, and we have individual classes. We have classes for, um, that we go out to, um, different parts of the installation. We also have, we have a provider there Mm -hmm. and I'm going to put his name out there, Dr. Pinkerton. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And he, he's our, he's our guy. And um, when our patients come up to see him, he actually evaluates them and see what's the best medical method to treat. You remember I spoke earlier about the Chantix. Right. Well, there is another Chantix uh, generic type that is coming. Mm-hmm. It's just taking a little while, but that may also help as far as, you know, Chantix, you know, let me give you the generic word. 
Ver, I can't even say it right. Verenaclin. Okay. There it goes. Because you have to put the L in the end. Verenaclin. Okay. That's the generic word. So then um, we're, we're going to get that generic version coming to the um, um, military treatment facility okay. coming soon. So that'll help with that um, um, decrease in that, that need and that bite. Mm-hmm. We also have gum and lozenges. And when you chew that gum, it's we always make sure to tell the patient it's not the same as chewing Hubba Bubba or whatever <laughs> or Wrigley's. Right. Don't sit there with the wad in your mouth like you on third base. Yeah. Um you gotta um <laughs> you gotta actually chew it, let it sit, and let the juice kind of flow out because what's in that juice is straight nicotine. Oh wow, okay. And it can hurt your tummy. Mm-hmm. But that's what the person is addicted to. Right. And even with the action of having something in their mouth or something in their hand um, with that, that nicotine and that action of chewing and even that lozenge, Mm -hmm. that's real good for someone who dips. Right. Because you can put that right in the buccal sac right there and let it sit. And then that, and I don't know if I sound gross, but just, but just the the saliva with that nicotine, it Mm kind of eases the body. It's good for that, that cut and that bite, you know, it only takes 15 minutes to get over the actual, Ooh, I got to have it. I got to have yeah. it. If you put that in your mouth, boom, get uh, over that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it takes 15 minutes if you're feeling a craving to mm-hmm. get past that craving. Correct. And you know, the best modality of therapy that we've learned with this is using both a form of varenicline as well as either a lozenge mm-hmm. or, or um, gum. Okay. And that'll help. Um, now, yeah. so, so we kind of have three categories there. You're talking about education, counseling, and medical therapy. Correct. Those three things all yes. work together. Um, so we've talked about the addiction a little bit. How difficult is it to break the addiction, and mm. why is nicotine so addictive? Wow. Well, it's very difficult to break it. More than likely, within, within a few months, someone can break the addiction, mm-hmm. but they just have to keep the things that make them want to do it not happen right or recognize it what's the new thing everybody is not really new but um mind mindfulness that's yeah. it be mindful of what's happening when you get in the car and you pop a cigarette just remember oh i don't need to pop a cigarette just yeah. let's do something else blur the music up something do something tap my foot i don't know but when you recognize those things and that's what usually when the when the person does both the that therapy, the medication, and the recognition is usually when they quit. Mm-hmm. So, and more than likely, they'll probably quit for a year, maybe two years, but just recognize when things happen to you so that you know if you're getting ready to slip. And people slip all the time mm-hmm. and don't feel bad about it. Now, one question when you talk about that, some people will substitute food and you'll have a weight mm-hmm. gain after you quit smoking. Some people are afraid that they will gain weight if yes. they quit. Could you talk a little about how to avoid that? Wow. And then the thing is, is to really like, even when we talk about eating proper diet, that's even better mm-hmm. to try to avoid that. Um, I said earlier, don't eat the cake, but try not yeah. to eat the cake, <laughs> eat something else, like something like kale chips or something else. Right. But, um, you know, a smoker, a smoker loses their taste. Mm-hmm. 
guess what happens? Everything starts to taste good now. Right. And so then we start begin to eat more. So we try to talk to the um, smoker to say, well, okay, now you're having this whole enlightened world happening <laughs> to you. Just yeah. take it in moderation. Don't go to uh, Captain George's and go, whoa, don't go there. But just, <laughs> just take it in moderation because everything is flavorful and lighting up and you can smell things. I've, yeah. noted, I've known some people who, uh, when they quit smoking, couldn't drink coffee black anymore. They wanted cream or sugar or something in it because the flavor got that much more yes, intense. Yeah, yeah. And things started tasting. And so when it tastes good, everything you want to eat, you want to eat. But those are like the exercise. That's the time to push that in, push mm-hmm. that up. Um, try not to eat as bad. But I do, and I've seen, you, you do gain a little weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I think the small amount of weight that you gain and gain in the years of not using that tobacco, you know, right now, the, um, your, your metabolism is a little higher when you're smoking too. So that Mm -hmm. helps you burn fat while you're, when you're smoking, when you stop, you don't have that either. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they'd have to do exercise more, just do some more things. And that may also help to get your mind off of it when I need a one, I need a cigarette. Nope, let me go. Let me go do some sit-ups. Let right. me just do some. You know, just do something. Is this what we say? Do something positive, of course, but but do something. So if you just really do all the things you're supposed to do in terms mm-hmm. of increasing your health, it'll help you quit smoking too. Correct. Mindfulness of what's going around. That's the biggest thing with everything. Now we talked about vaping a little bit earlier. Um, but could you talk a little bit about health effects, smoking versus vaping versus chewing tobacco okay. or, or dip or what? Okay. any of that? I'll go backwards. The chewing tobacco is really detrimental for your mouth mm-hmm. and your oral care um, because uh, it, it could actually debride at your gums and things like that. So that's not a um, good thing. And the oral cancels are very high with persons that dip. Um, let me see. Vaping. Wow. Vaping is just straight nicotine steam <laughs> right straight to the lung just straight nicotine steam and um and that actually nicotine does actually some things to your brain action as well so there's some things you want to be concerned with about that and also nicotine with both smoking and with vaping like i said is very bad cardiovascular events mm-hmm. like i said young people you may be fine now but years later things can affect you Let's talk a little bit about secondhand smoke. If you smoke in your home or your car, how does that affect non-smokers who live with you? It's it's um, very detrimental to the um, non-smoker. And I'll be honest with you, and once again, to be um, uh, personal, I had a friend that actually died of lung cancer from secondhand smoke. Oh, wow. She was a nurse. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, she actually she passed in 2018. And um, how she acquired her cancer was from someone else. Mm -hmm. And so that was clear and visual that this really can happen. Um, You have to be careful with the children and in the cars and things like that. But secondhand smoke is extremely detrimental. Um, Probably in about, I wanted to say, I think it's about 20 to 40 percent, maybe up to 50 percent, that a person can really get some detrimental effects from it. The kids with asthma and um, the, uh, the, the same effects that a smoker would have, that cilia in that throat and in your nose, they, they, they slow down. They don't beat. And then your kids have the, uh, the, um, the, uh, the 
the um I don't want to say snotty, but I want to say, <laughs> but can't you know they have a lot of mucus in their nose and things right. like that because the the cilia are dead, they're not beating it out, and so right. what happens when that cilia doesn't move? They have clogged noses and all of these issues, and you're running back and forth to the doctor and wondering why. Then when you get back in the car and light the cigarette. <laughs> you're doing it all over Starting to the kid the whole again. Thing again yeah so secondhand smoke is really bad and um yeah you ever wondered like when you've seen people who smoke a cigarette and they say i do it because i stopped i stopped coughing yeah that's that silly again you, you keep killing it this is what nature put in us to keep us well so when that cilia stops beating all of that gunk just stays right, right here. It starts kicking it back up. Then you start coughing because your body's working. Yes. And then you start smoking again to make yes, it stop. Yes, to working. make it stop. So, yeah. Kind so of counterproductive. Right. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I have exhausted all my questions. What else do you have to talk about uh, that you'd like our audience to know about? I want everyone to know that um, just remember. Um, that tobacco use is just not only cigarette smoking, it's vaping and dipping. And we have means to help. We have means, and especially at Kenner, what we do, we out, we help 18 and older, um, which it could be younger because vaping is another big issue. Right. But 18 and older for um, active duty beneficiaries. Um, and uh, we actually do counseling for civilian population. Okay. We they, they get the meds and whatnot. They have to order through their own primary okay. care provider on the outside. Or, but we actually do um, do those classes or for civilians as well. And one of the biggest things is just to remember that um, all tobacco use is nicotine, and nicotine is highly addictive and extremely detrimental to the body. Just think of nicotine as a, a vein cruncher, an artery cruncher. <laughs> right, okay. If you think of it that way, yeah. maybe we can turn some things around. And the military really thinks this is very important. We know because we got to keep our workforce ready and resilient. So what's your phone number again if somebody wants to get in touch with you? It's 804-734-9304. And one last question. you have: uh -huh. Do you have some events coming up in the future you want to uh, talk about a little bit? Actually, they, other than the classes, and we have something December 3rd at Mosier Dental. Okay. Nothing really big okay. coming up, but there'll be a, just look out and stay tuned, everyone. We'll have health fair coming up in the um, spring of this year where you'll really see some big pushes. And um, and just like I, I said earlier, one of the things that our, um, our Ready and Resiliency Committee is looking at and our council is looking at, and since we're trying to really get this information out, the smoking and tobacco vaping policy, the installation, a lot of people may not even know there's a big policy out here mm -hmm. that gives us clinical and um, um, uh, guidance about what we should do, where we should be. So look out for that. Okay. You'll be hearing more about that because there's some things of trying to get that out there as well. So, okay. That sounds great. Alicia Manson, preventative medicine nurse, preventive <laughs> medicine nurse at army public health. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank today. you. Thank you. That is a wrap for this edition of the Fort Lee podcast. Thank you for joining us and please join us next time.